idea of rest. I think we all recognize the importance that physical rest plays in our, in our physical bodies, how much we need to sleep, how much we need rest. Our bodies will tell us when we need rest. If your home is anything like our home, when we get tired and we need to go to bed and sleep, we either we get cranky, we get irritable, or in some cases we go into giggling fits where it just seems like it's never going to end, and it's like our bodies are telling us, you need to sleep. And so we recognize how important rest is to our bodies, but I want you to think about how, how, do, how do you lay down and rest in peace where you're totally relaxed? You need, you and I both, all of us need a setting where we're calm, where we're feeling relaxed, a place where we feel secure and we feel safe. Our children are, are, give us a great example of what this looks like. Um, even just last night, one of our children had a bad dream. <clears throat> and if your children are any, anything like ours, so this child comes down to our room and tells us, hey, I had a bad dream, and then lays down in a spot in our room where mom and dad are right there and rests completely at peace, completely feeling safe and secure because mom and dad are right there. So uh, we recognize that physical rest is important, and when we're relaxed and we feel safe and secure, we get up in the morning and we feel rejuvenated, we feel renewed, and we're ready to face a new day. Jesus talks about a different kind of rest, and this is the rest that has really been in my mind or on my mind, and that God has really been trying to take me through to find this kind of a rest that Jesus talks about. And I think it's probably every bit and even more important than is the physical rest that we experience. It's the emotional rest that each one of us needs deep within the core of our being. Jesus calls this rest, rest for your soul. And I want to explore that thought a little bit and how, does, how do we find rest for our, for our souls? How do we come to that place? <clears throat> There's three verses in Matthew chapter 11 that I'm sure are familiar to most of us. But Jesus talks about this rest for your soul. I want to read from Matthew chapter 11 verses 28 to 30 and then explore some thoughts from there. Jesus said this, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. As we explore what this rest for our soul looks like, and how do we find that rest for our soul, I trust that we can leave encouraged, that we can be hopeful, filled with hope to face another new day, in an unknown world right now, or a world that feels like it's been turned upside down in so many ways. But I also hope we have the opportunity to bring some perspective 
to the, the things that we're facing in life, how are we as followers of Jesus to respond when things in life get turned upside down, when we feel like things are in turmoil? <clears throat> I believe the world we're living in right now is unlike anything that any of us who are living have probably ever experienced. It's happened in the past, but it's new, it's different for us. And as followers of Jesus, I believe that each of us have a tremendous opportunity to speak to a world that's watching. And my prayer is that the, the world sees the followers of Jesus. He sees us. And they ask, who is this Jesus that these people talk about? Who is this Jesus that gives this peace, this rest, when we're all scared, anxious, and things are, things are looking so uncertain? I want what this Jesus has to offer. So I want to look at what Jesus is inviting us into, what he's inviting the whole world into. <clears throat> the question that I want us to consider personally as we reflect on our own hearts is, is my soul at rest? Am I feeling anxious? Am I feeling burdened? Am I feeling weary and worn out? How do I find rest for my soul? So in the portion of Scripture that we read, Jesus, we're jump, it jumps into the middle of a conversation that Jesus is having. And I think it's important that we at least step back a little bit and get some of the context for why Jesus was saying the words that he was saying. Jesus had just spoken some really, really hard words to the religious leaders of his day. Here a number of years ago, I read a, a book by John Ortberg called Soul Keeping. And in that book, he says this, You are a soul made by God, made for God, made to need God, which means you were not made to be self-sufficient. Those can be rather hard words to swallow for many of us, at least for me. I think all of us have somewhere in us this desire to be self-sufficient. And I believe perhaps that is why Jesus spoke so harshly to the religious leaders of his, his day, who, by the way, no matter what Jesus did, no matter what he said, no matter where he went, it wasn't right. And there's a reason why it upset the Pharisees and the religious leaders so much why Jesus upset them so much. <clears throat> you see, I believe they had set up a system and a, a system in their world where it felt to them like they had control and it brought about this false sense of security in their lives. Well, along comes Jesus and Jesus disrupts their system and so they're false sense of security, this secure bubble that they had tried to create around themselves with this system of control and manipulation has been completely upended by Jesus and what Jesus is doing, what he is speaking. And they have a major problem with that. Now, I think we all recognize that the, the Pharisees or the religious leaders in a lot of ways were attempting to come to Jesus, come to God on their own merit. 
And we recognize that we can't do that. It's only through the blood of Jesus Christ, only through faith in Him by His grace we're saved. But I wonder if we're really honest, and this is where it speaks to me, where we really, maybe we do have some Pharisee in us. I believe if, perhaps, let me, let me suggest to us today that we try to create in our own world, in our own spheres, this, this bubble of safety, of security, where we have control of our future, of the things that we're facing in life. And in that, we try to be self-sufficient, self-sustaining, if you will, in this world. But Jesus invites us to something completely different. And in the world that we're living in right now, the things that we're facing with the pandemic, not only here in, the, in our community, not only in the United States, but all across the world, all the security and the efforts to, the things that we feel like we can control, all those things have been taken away. And we feel lost sometimes. We're not sure what to do. But Jesus invites us into something that's much bigger, much, much grander and much better than we can ever imagine or even dream up on our own. So what, what does Jesus invite you and I into as followers of Him? <clears throat> let me back up. Let me, let me ask, who does Jesus invite? The first word in, in verse 28, I'm always struck with, because it's the, just the word come. And it's simply an invitation to each one of us. Jesus invites you and you and you, every individual, to come. It's an open invitation. And in His invitation to each individual, each one of you to come, there is in that, out of the seven plus billion people in the world, Jesus says, I see you. I see you. I see the struggle that you're in. I see the anxiety, maybe the loneliness, maybe the anxiety, the depression, whatever it is. Jesus says, I see you. And he invites you to come. He calls the people he's inviting those who labor and are heavy laden. The heavy laden carries with it this idea of of a pack animal who has been loaded down with, with weights on his back where the knee, his knees are literally beginning to buckle. So picture a donkey who's had so much stuff packed onto, laid on his back for him to carry that his knees are literally beginning to buckle under the weight. Is that where you're at today? Because we find ourselves there sometimes. What... What is burdening you down? What is causing you to feel weighted down? Know that Jesus invites you to come. He invites us to take, it tells, He tells us that to take my yoke upon you. So the idea of a yoke is we, we see horses. Here in our community, we see horses that are harnessed together. 
in Jesus' world to here, where Jesus is speaking, you have two oxen that are yoked together. So it's this, it's this idea of being connected with, connected to something. And I think the reality is we're all yoked to something. We're all yoked to our own efforts or something. We're all yoked to something. So the yoke that the Pharisees that Jesus was speaking to the Pharisees about was this yoke of self-sufficiency, this striving and by our own efforts working so hard to find a secure place for ourselves. But the yoke that Jesus invites us into is a yoke that is based on a person, not on a system. And He invites you into that. But there's a part that you and I have to play when Jesus invites us to take His yoke. So if we're all yoked to something, we need to come to Jesus and we need to lay down and surrender the yoke that we are bearing, the things that are weighing us down, the heavy laden, the the pack or the burdens that we're bearing. Jesus invites us to lay those down and to take His yoke. So it involves surrender on our part. No more striving to try to create our own security. No more striving to be good enough. No more striving to try to find our own sense of peace. But He invites us to take His yoke. And He says that His yoke is easy and His burden is light. So does that mean that when we come to Jesus and we lay down all the weighted things that are weighing us down, does that mean life is going to be smooth sailing from here on out? No, I don't think any of us have to live very long to know that that's not true. That's not even what Jesus is talking about. The word easy that Jesus uses here has this idea of it's, His yoke is kind. It's gentle. It doesn't require you to strive with your own strength, because Jesus has already taken it for you. It's kind, it's gentle, it doesn't demand from you, but it brings you freedom. When we surrender our own striving, our own efforts, our own sense of security, and we lay that down, and we yoke ourselves with Jesus, we find freedom true freedom when we discover, because it's in that, that we find the freedom to live the life that God has truly created each one of us to live. And that is where we find rest for our souls, when we live the life that we were created for. We were created to live in harmony with God. And when we come to that, we come to that sense of peace, laying ourselves down and we yoke ourselves to Jesus, the person, not the system of Jesus, we find rest for our souls. <clears throat> the idea of rest, the, for that phrase in verse 29, he said, Jesus said, you will find rest for your soul. It's not this, well, I hope I will, or you might, if you're lucky, you'll get it. He promises to us, to you and to I, that you will find rest for your soul. A soul that is at rest is one that has experienced surrender. 
and healing and deliverance at the very deepest level. There's a story that that describes this kind of rest so well. It's an old story that many of you might be familiar with, but the story of Horatio Spafford. Horatio was a businessman in the late 1800s who lived in Chicago. He had a wife, he was married, he had a family of four daughters and one son. But in the 1870s, his world was completely turned upside down. So in 1870, Horatio lost his only son to the scarlet fever. A year later, he had invested heavily in real estate. The great Chicago fire broke out in 1871, and Horatio Spafford lost everything. He was destitute, financially destitute. He lost everything that he had built up over so many years. So he's lost his son, his only son. He's lost everything financially. And so he begins to rebuild his life. And in 1873, an evangelist invited Horatio and his family to join him for meetings over in England. Horatio decided he should stay at home and take care of some things before he set sail. But he sent his wife and his four daughters ahead. And they would get there and he was going to catch up with them and join them in England. But on the journey across the sea, where the ship that Horatio's wife and his four daughters was on was involved in a wreck, it went down, it sank at sea. And several days after they left, Horatio gets a telegram from his wife in England, and it simply said this, it said, saved alone, what shall I do? You're talking about a man whose life has been utterly devastated, turned upside down. And so a number of days later, Horatio boards a ship to join his wife in England. And he asked the captain, as they were sailing across the ocean to England, he asked the captain to tell him, to let him know once they reached that place where the ship had sank, where he lost the lives of his four daughters. And as they neared that spot, Horatio came up on deck, I believe, and he wrote or he penned the words to the song that many of us probably grew up singing, the song that's called, It Is Well With My Soul. And I wonder, how in the midst of such circumstances can you write words like, It Is Well With My Soul? Let me read just a couple, one verse of that song that Horatio, the words that Horatio penned, as they were crossing the ocean when they reached that spot. He wrote this, he says, When sorrows like sea billows roll, I'm sorry, when peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll. And I want us to think about that phrase just a little bit, because I believe, or perhaps, maybe it's just me, but sometimes we think when we have rest in our soul or peace in our soul, that we're not feeling things like sorrow, anxiety. We're not feeling burdened down. We're not feeling the pressures of life. But I believe the more that we, I believe what Jesus calls us is to embrace the sorrow, embrace the pain, embrace the suffering, and bring it to Him. 
And it's in the midst of that, it's in, in the midst of us embracing our sorrow, our uncertainty in life, that we find the rest for our soul. He goes on and he says, Whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, It is well, it is well with my soul. His rested soul was not dependent on his circumstances, but it was dependent and secure in the person of Jesus Christ. Let me, let me close with a quote again from John Ortberg in his book, Soul Keeping. It says, If your soul is healthy, no external circumstances can destroy your life. The soul was made to rest in God the way a tree was made to rest in soil. So a tree can flourish and grow when it is rested in the soil. That's where a tree is meant to be. That's where a tree thrives. And just like a tree is meant to be there, so our lives are meant to be at rest in the person of Jesus Christ because it's in Him, not in a system, not in our own striving or in our own efforts for security, but it's in the person of Jesus Christ that we find rest for our souls no matter what the circumstances may be. And so my prayer is that in today, as you listen, and in the weeks ahead, that you can find, that each of us can find the rest that Jesus invites each one of us into. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you've created us for so much more than what we can see. You invite us into something that is much, much bigger than we can imagine or even see right now. We see such a small little window of life, and yet you're writing a story, and we, you invite us into your story. And I pray that as we come into your story, God, that you could minister to our hearts, that our souls could truly find rest in you because of the finished work of Jesus on the cross, because we don't need to strive, we don't need to find our own security. Our security, our safety is found in you, and that is something that no one, no circumstance can ever take away from our lives. So I pray that you would, you would minister your peace, your rest, to each person, to each household, to each home who's listening today, for your honor, for your glory, and for your kingdom's sake. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.